Thank you. It's, it's an awesome privilege and honor to be invited to share my story this morning. I thank you, Pastor Keith, Pastor Bruce. And it's especially an honor to share it amongst so many veterans. And I'm, I join this church in thanking you for giving your life and giving your service to our country. And I'm, I'm so grateful for a country that um, is worth fighting for and that we do honor our veterans, we honor our soldiers. And today is a really special day, and, and I think it's just awesome that this church is, is honoring them. And we are very patriotic. We love our country. There's so much good in our country worth saving. And we, we just are so appreciative of everyone in the military. Um, Mike, I think I will need your watch. I can't see that clock up there, and I'm on a time limit. This is the first time I've been asked to share my story, and I I know I'm on a time limit, so I want to make sure I I don't go over. Um, To share my story, I have to... it's, It's about my son, and they wanted me to give you a little bit of a background of him. And I want to do that really quickly because... I have so much good to share at the end that is so good. I, I want to leave plenty of time for that. But um, our, our oldest son, Christopher, uh, was patriotic since he was very young. And he um, was a funny kid, a smart kid. His, his first song that he ever learned, he came home from kindergarten and said, Mom, I've learned a song. Oh, good. What is it? Sing it for me. And it was, You're a Grand Old Flag. And he sang the whole thing, every word. The only problem was, it was all in one pitch. (laughs) And I realized, okay, he loves our country, but he has no musical ability whatsoever. And he, he uh, was a very strong-willed child, and someone graciously gave us the book on Dr. Dobson's strong-willed child. And one thing he said is they love rules. And so we really set up rules in our home, and you follow these rules, and these are the privileges, and these are the consequences. And it worked well, except for then he wanted to rule the house with those rules. So when he was 12 years old, and by then he's a foot higher than, or a foot, a head taller than me, uh, we said, Lord, help us with this boy. And uh, we found a military academy, ordered the catalog, and he looked at it and said, this is what I want to do. I want to go here. And he, he, he started there at age 12, and he got a phone call every week. We got letters. still have all my letters. But the first phone call home, he was so excited telling us about the rules. And if you keep all the rules and you don't get a tour, which is like a demerit, all week, if you don't get a tour, you get a special privilege. And I said, oh, great. What's a special privilege? Well, you get to take your tie off for two hours during study hall on Wednesdays. And he thought that was great. I thought it was great for him. So every summer we gave him the option, do you want to come home and go back to school in Tulsa? And he said, no, I start what, I finish what I start. I'm staying here. And he did. And he did very well at at military school. And after he graduated from there, he went to New York, went to college at the King's College, met his wife there, and they shared They shared a passion for military in our country. 
and they both got involved in politics, and he worked on several campaigns. He worked especially hard with Katie McFarland. She was trying to defeat Hillary Clinton for senator and didn't make it. And then he worked on Mitt Romney's first presidential campaign. He came home, and, and he enlisted in 2008. And we knew that time was coming. We knew that he had a very strong call, especially since 911. He said, I need to go over there. And he enlisted, and he was trained, and he was trained as a sniper. And he finally was deployed in uh, his first deployment a few weeks later was canceled. His second deployment came a little while after that, and same thing, it was canceled. And Chris finally figured out what was happening. He went to his grandmother, who was living in our town, and he said, J.J., now in the South, they don't call him Grandma. Everybody has a nickname. Her, name, her nickname was J.J. for some reason. J.J., are you praying that I don't go? Well, J.J. is an old-time Pentecostal prayer warrior, if you know what that means. And she'll get down to business, and she gets her prayers answered. And he knew that. And she says, you better believe I am. And he said, well, stop it, because I have to go. And she said that was the hardest thing anybody's ever asked me to do. But she did. So the next time the deployment came, he went. His wife said to him before he went, Chris, do you ever think about the possibility that you could die over there? And he said, yes, but two things. First of all, I'm a Christian, and as a Christian, we have no fear of death. And he said, second, he said, I have a call like my dad. My dad has a call to the ministry. I have a call to fight for my country. And I'd rather live a short life and fulfill that calling than live to be an old man and never do what I'm supposed to do. And that has really stuck with me in how life is short. God has plans for us. He has good plans for us. But he, like many of you veterans, I know, went knowing that you may not come back, but you're doing what you're committed to do, what you feel called to do. So the, the uh, summer, he, w- he was deployed in June. And that summer, we received an email from him. And at the end of it, he said, I, was, I could have been killed four times so far. And he told us of the four times, one of them was a truck that he was in, was blown up, and he showed a picture. And sure enough, you don't know how anyone survived it. And I wasn't surprised because we had been praying Psalm 91 over him. And we rejoiced that he was protected. And then September 9 of 2011... At about 10.30 at night, we were getting ready to go to bed. And the knock came at the door. And it was Chris's wife. 
with two soldiers behind her. And, of course, we knew exactly, we knew immediately when we saw the two soldiers. And they came in and sat in the living room, and they told us that Chris had been out on a mission with 11 guys. They were ambushed. Mistakes had been made. They had called for air support. None came. Uh, Three were wounded. Three were killed. And one was our son. And... I just remember I was in a fog. I don't remember after that. And I had a lot of questions. And the main one was, how could this happen? And we immediately let them go. And Jane and David and I sat and tried to comprehend how could this happen. We knew it was a possibility, but we didn't think we thought Chris would come home. And I can't say the Lord's presence came in the room and filled the place. I was in shock. I, I, I was in a fog. They said, the soldier said, you better notify your family. It will be in the news tomorrow. So at about 2.30 in the morning, I called my brother Mike. I couldn't call my parents. They had already lost a grandson, two of them actually, and I, I couldn't. So I called Mike, and I said, Mike, Chris is dead. And then I said, wow, Mike, I finally know what it's like to lose a son. He had lost his son a few years earlier. And then I cried. And it began to hit me. What had happened, and I realized from that point on, like Mike and Glenn, my life would never be the same. And still had lots of questions. The next day, the military flew us to Dover so we could watch the box come off the plane with the flag draped over it, watch our son's body come home. And we were still in a fog, lots of questions. And trying to comprehend this. And we had lots of phone calls come in and people responding, but we didn't take any of them. But a phone call came in right before we were going out to the flight line. And the Lord spoke to David and said, take that phone call. And it was a friend of his that he hadn't seen for about 10 years. And he said, David... I feel like I'm supposed to give you this scripture. And it was Isaiah 57, verse 1. It says, A righteous perisheth, and no man lay it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, but none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Now, in another translation, it says, The righteous are taken to save them from a greater evil. Now, I had never really seen that verse before, but I had never needed that verse before. And we saw that the righteous are taken to be spared from a greater evil. We discussed it with some of Chris's friends that had come up and with the chaplains that were with us. And it ministered something to us. There is a greater evil, especially for a Christian, than death. So... 
uh, we came home, and the next Tuesday they brought him to Tulsa. And that's when I learned more about the Patriot Riders. And they escorted us to and from the funeral home to the airport and back. And we were at the funeral home, and somebody came in, and they said, Do you realize they're still outside? They're all out there. And Mike and I went out there. And I, all I knew was the Patriot Riders were Vietnam vets that liked to ride motorcycles. I didn't know. And they were out there, and we spoke to them, and they had tears in their eyes. And they said, Thank you for your son's service. And they were there to support him in honor and respect a soldier. And they stayed with us. And they, they came to the funeral. They said, we will make sure the Westboro Baptists were, as you know, they're the church that, church that protests soldiers' funerals. They said, don't worry, we'll make sure you don't see them. And I came to love and respect those men. And understand that they are a band of brothers that understands what it means to be a soldier. And as we were coming from the airport back to the funeral home, there was a crowd of people along both sides of the road waving flags, and I noticed a couple that I recognized. Um, She had been our secretary when we first started, And her kids were my daughter's childhood friends. That night, their son was in a horrible longboarding accident. He was a senior at ORU. And we got the notice, so we went to the hospital. And it was packed with people. And they pushed us on into the room and said, pray for them. And I thought, pray for them? Pray for me? And I looked at Dylan, and I recognized it looked like my nephew, Jonathan, when I walked into the room and knew he was gone. And I thought, God, help me. What do I say? And I began to just say, God, you're a good God. You are such a good, good God. And that's all I could say over and over And the more I said it, the more I worshipped God. You're a good God. And my mind is thinking, this is the worst day of their life. And I'm saying, God, you're a good God. That's when we say when people are healed. I'm saying, God, you're a good God. And the more I said it, it ministered to me. God is a good God all the time. Because he's there. He's there restoring our soul. He's there giving us peace in the midst of a storm. And I clung to that. And and Dylan was gone and went to heaven. Well, three weeks later, we went to Arlington, where Chris was buried and had another funeral. And the army was very gracious and honored our son. And I'm very, very grateful. I'm a very grateful mother to the military. I think they did a wonderful job of honoring our soldier. Now we flash forward six months, and all that is over. And life is supposed to return to normal. 
six months later, we're sitting in Connecticut in a hotel room, actually at breakfast. My husband's speaking the next day. And I looked at him across the table, and I said, with tears in my eyes, I said, David, I don't know how to do this anymore. I had been crying every day, trying to hold it in with just tears. And when I would get in my car all by myself, then I could let it out. But I was tired of it. I was tired of the heaviness, the grief. I didn't know how to... I wanted to feel normal. I didn't want to have that hole in my heart. I didn't want to feel the pain so much that I felt oppressed. I felt lost. Even though I would get in the Word every morning, and my husband and I prayed together every morning, my my prayers were always through tears. I couldn't seem to get the victory. I couldn't seem to get delivered of, of an oppress. And I understand there's a time of grieving. And we grieve because we love so much. And grieving is healthy. But I knew as a Christian, I have to get on the other side of this. So David did what we always do. We go to the Word because that's where our help comes from. And God's word is supernatural, and everything we try to do in the natural can just go so far, because we're humans. But God's strength and God's word is supernatural, and that's the only help you're going to find. And he began to quote, by memory, a verse that we all have heard all of our lives, surely, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And I said, yes, he bore our griefs. I want that. I want him to bear our griefs. I don't feel it. I don't feel him bearing my grief. I'm bearing it. So how do I get there? It says, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, the chastisement that was needful to obtain peace for us was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And every time in the Bible it says healed, it includes we are made whole. We are made whole, nothing lacking, nothing missing. And I desired that. I wanted to be whole again. Then we, come to, we went back to our room and got our Bibles out. And we just kept reading and reading. Reading with saying, Lord, show me how. Show me how to receive healing for a broken heart. And if you've experienced a broken heart, and it may not be from a loss of a loved one. It may be from a difficult divorce rejection of some kind it could be from grown children that have left and you're estranged from but if you have a broken heart over anything this is for you and let God's word minister to you and receive it as life for your soul 
Because that's where our warfare is, is in our soul. Once we are born again, our spirit man has become new. But our soul is where the battleground is. Our mind, soul includes the mind, will, and emotions. That's the battleground. So I learned that day. And I'm, I'm so excited to share it with you. Because it helped me immensely. We kept reading and reading and reading. And we got to Isaiah 54, verse 10. And like I said, you know these scriptures are in there, but you don't need them until you need them. And when you need them, I'm so glad they're there. And God will help you when you go to the Word and say, show me. Help me find it. Verse 10, it says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from me, neither shall the covenant of my peace. And there's the word peace again. And we have a covenant with God for our peace. Neither shall it be removed. Saith the Lord that have mercy on thee. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. And I said, that's me. That's me. I'm that. I'm not comforted. So he's talking to me. And then he says, Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all the borders of pleasant stones. And I said, What in the world is he talking about? Well, obviously, David says, Well, obviously, he's talking about building something. There's a building, there's a foundation, there's stones, there's windows, there's gates. You know, different translations, you get different words. And they're all built with beautiful stones. He says, oh, I see it. He's building a castle. He's building a castle for you to be put inside, to be protected. And the castle, I said, why, why do you think it's made with beautiful stones? He says, don't you see? God is trying to show you off. In the midst of it, he's shining his glory on you. He's making it beautiful. You know, God does everything beautiful. And I think it's so interesting. He describes all these things with precious stones. But this is a castle for our heart. And all the children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of the children. Again, he talks about peace. And then verse 14, in righteousness shalt thou be established. That's the name of the castle is righteousness. Righteousness is God's righteousness. And God sent his son Jesus to die so that we could have his righteousness. None of us deserved it. But he, did, he gave his son Jesus to be the sacrifice for us so that we could have his righteousness. So that he, we are now protected in his righteousness he has protected us, and it talks about the windows in one translation. I don't see it up there, but it, it talks about the windows. We can see the fiery darts coming towards us, but it can't pierce our heart. In, Jesus never promised a life free of tribulation, of trials. He said, in this life, you will have them. And we don't like to think of those Things. We think, well, if I do everything right, everything right will happen. But this Satan is still the god of this world, and he is here to kill and steal and destroy. But 
the Lord says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And he's showing us how to have abundance by having peace in our soul. So that when the fiery darts come our way, they cannot pierce our soul. We can still have peace. There is so much in the word about peace. And he is out to not only destroy and to steal our joy, our, our, our peace, but our joy. After a heartache, after a hard times, many times that's, that's what people lose. They lose their joy. But he has made a way for us to have our joy again. And so I begin to see I'm, he has made a castle for my heart. Okay, now how do I get in this castle? Well, it's the same way we receive anything from him. And it's by faith. When you receive Jesus for the first time as your Lord and Savior, you receive him by faith. You don't necessarily feel any different. You don't look any different. But you receive him by faith. So the same things you receive as a gift from him, you receive it by faith. So I began to see myself wrapped in God's love, wrapped inside this castle. And then rejoicing, Lord, you have protected my heart. You have made me to shine in spite of this horrific thing that has happened to our family. You have done this for me. And... Pastor Bruce and I were talking about this last night that how do you how do you receive this by meditating on him and the thing is sometimes at the beginning you may have to do it moment by moment if your mind has been taken over by disappointments and discouragements and defeat begin to think about Jesus and begin to worship him for who he is And how wonderful he is and what he has done for you. You may have to do it moment by moment, which turns into minute by minute. And then gradually you you realize, I'm being transformed. The more you focus on who God is and what God has done for you and how much he loves you, the more you're able to be inside that castle and your heart is protected and then one more scripture and then I want to pray for you and that is Isaiah 24 no Isaiah 26 sorry verse 3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. How do you keep your mind on him? Spend time letting him love you. Getting to know the character of God. Getting to know who God is. What did he do for me? What did he provide for me? And then just thanking him for it. And you can rise above your situation. And you can be healed of a broken heart. Not be the victim anymore. Not be the one who's depressed and sad and defeated. Amen.
So I would like to pray for you if you'd, if you'd like to stand and, and receive prayer. If you've lost a loved one or if you have a broken heart of a lost relationship of any kind, if you would stand, I would like to pray for you right now. And, uh, or if you don't want to stand, that's fine too. But if, let's all bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your truth in your word. And it's life and light. It's life to all of our flesh. And I thank you, Father, that you minister peace. As we trust in you, as we keep our mind on you. I thank you, Father, for perfect peace because of you and your son, Jesus. And you have made a way, Lord, so graciously to keep us in peace and to comfort us and to calm the storms. I thank you, Father, that we, as we live in a fallen world and storms are circling around us, you are there to keep us. In your love, in your care, in your protection, in your peace. And I thank you, Father, that you have plans for us for good and not evil. And we rejoice today in that. In in Jesus' name.